It's This Week in Bourbon. It's not financial or legal advice, but here's your headlines for March 18th, 2022. Bourbon and straight American whiskeys have hit a new high for cases sold for the first time in over 40 years. House Bill 500 passes the Kentucky House and moves to the Senate, and Castle & Key is releasing their first ever small batch bourbon. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof, and the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody, back with another This Week in Bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here today, and we have had a pretty good week in bourbon already. On Monday, we had an opportunity to go down to the Fraser History Museum, which is technically the first stop on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And if you never get a chance, you need to go check it out. They've got a lot of cool just bourbon stuff that's kind of like gets you into the the thought process of like, okay, are we going to do this 51% corn tour? But you get to go and kind of like make your own barrel. But the highlight of it was that they invited us down to taste some 1971 Davis County or Davies County dusty bourbon with them. And they've got quite the dusty collection. Yeah, it's the biggest bottle or decanter I've ever seen. It was a rifle. Takes up the most bar space of any decanter i've ever seen it was like easily what, four six i mean foot? i thought it was easily four <laughs> i don't feet. maybe it was easily four feet yeah uh, i thought i originally put three feet on my my instagram post and then i 
looked back and I saw our picture with it. And I was like, that's easily bigger than my kid. If it was, if I had to pull up next to me, it's probably the size of a... It was tall as you can. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> it's a true musket. No, I mean, it was, it's definitely the, probably almost a full-size rifle is what you would compare it to. And it was only like a, what, a 500 ml or something. It wasn't a full bottle. And you're like, damn, it's a <laughs> lot. You'd think they could fit 750 in this damn thing. It's, but uh, no, the whiskey was great. Uh, it was a great time seeing the Fraser. I hadn't been there in a long time. I'm embarrassed to say that, but my gosh, it's a, it's one of the cooler uh, experiences I've been on recently because just the historical side of it, they're, you know, they have this video plan that shows kind of anyone and everyone who's been in the bourbon industry or hall of fame and whatnot. And then the dusty collection is unreal, mind blowing. It's, it's like Justin's house of bourbon, but you can't buy anything, <laughs> but, uh, but a lot more, uh, just crazy unicorn bottles. Uh, I was impressed. I would recommend, highly recommends everyone to go there if you're. Yeah. In- and I think it's you always go check out Justin's as well, because you can kind of look through there because they're, they're kind of a, almost like a whiskey museum, but you can buy some stuff, but this is a real whiskey museum and it's got a lot of pre-prohibition and, you know, kind of like just after, just after post, post-prohibition era bottles. I mean, a 22 year old Kentucky Tavern, I'd never even seen that before. And seeing some of those bottles there, I mean, dude, do you remember the old Forrester bottles, how dark they were? Yeah. I've never seen that before. And they were like five years old. Insane how, how dark they were. Yeah, they were triple toasting <laughs> back then. How many barrels can we... Back in Prohibition, yeah. yeah. We were trying to joke about, oh, there's probably just a bunch of dips bit in these bottles, but... <laughs> right, it's all like aspartame, or not aspartame. That'd be sugar. Di- Maybe it is, it's Diet Coke in there, probably. <laughs> Mix it with something. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and let's talk about some news here. So the one that is always kind of top of mind, we want to talk a little bit about what's happening with sanctions in Russia. And the first thing to kind of talk about is that spirit firms Diageo, Brown Foreman, and Edrington have suspended sales in Russia in response to the war in Ukraine. And in a statement, Smirnoff owner Diageo confirmed it has paused exports to Russia and Ukraine last week after the after it began its invasion of Ukraine on February 24th. Brown Foreman, the producer of Jack Daniels in Finlandia, also confirmed yesterday that, or back on March 9th, that it had suspended commercial operations in Russia. And from what I understand, I've heard it through the grapevine a little bit, is that, should I say, Brown Foreman is actually letting some of their international allies, or should I say international employees in like Ireland and all these other kind of people, like helping their employees in Ukraine escape the country. So it's really kind of cool to see that happen. Uh, the McAllen owner, Edrington, also confirmed the similar, similar move. Stoli Group has also ended its use of the Stoliknaya name in response to Russia's invasion. And the United States will now start banning imports of Russian alcohol and seafood. Uh, and then this is just, again, in an action to impose costs on Russia for its invasion. So big sanctions are coming, I guess, and just liquor alone. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully all these sanctions add up to something. It's like, gosh, you would think this would had stopped by now, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully more diplomatic way to, uh, in this thing. Cause it's the more drags on, the more scarier it gets. It so. does. It does. Especially for the, the global economy we all live in, but you know, yep. Exactly. Thoughts and prayers and everybody out there. I know it's a top of mind for everybody, but this is our first headline for the day. And that's the market for bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, and other straight American whiskeys has surpassed a staggering 27 million nine liter cases domestically in 2021. 
and this is the largest it's been for the first time in over 40 years. The two biggest players in the category are Brown Foreman and Beam Centauri. They make up more than 60% of the overall market in 2021, and this is according to Impact Data Bank. While the flavored segment seems to have cooled off a bit, American whiskey's biggest names still remain in expansion mode. So the Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey franchise continues to climb, taking on over a quarter of a million cases of growth in 2021, and that's excluding flavors. Its super premium price single barrel, single barrel variant surged an impressive 47.5% last year. And their super premium Woodford Reserve line has surpassed 1 million cases in the U.S. last year, while the Old Forester range achieved its highest volume in over, also in over 35 years. Jim Beam's core bourbon eked out a marginal growth in the U.S. last year, but the franchise received a boost from its new orange variant. Flavors contributed to 1.7 million cases to the Jim Beam franchise in 21. Again, this is all data coming from Impact Data Bank. Elsewhere in the Beam Centauri portfolio, strong double-digit growth was posted last year by upscale brands Makers Mark and Basil Hayden, and solid performances were also registered by Premium Plus labels of Knob Creek and Old Grandad. Beyond the biggest two players, the momentum of Diageo's Bullet, both the bourbon and rye expressions, were hampered in 2021 by glass supply constraints. Campari's Wild Turkey label registered solid growth, as did its American honey flavor. Strong double-digit growth gains were recorded last year by super premium offerings from Heaven Hill Brands, which Elijah Craig was up 22%, and Bacardi's USA Angel's Envy grew 48%. Bourbon and other straight American whiskeys are expected to see continued growth in U.S. markets until at least 2025, again, according to Impact Data Bank, where the majority of the gains are going to come from upscale brands. Can we get, like, Five more years added <laughs> in 2025. to 2025. Yes, we need we need that 2030 mark if we could really use that right now. <laughs> but uh, some of those statistics are just mind blowing. Two hundred fifty thousand additional cases growth for Jack Daniels. That's a uh, on not on flavored whiskey. That's a uh, that's pretty yeah. wild. And and twenty seven million nine liter cases. So anybody that doesn't know, like uh, nine liter cases is not your typical. Or is it your typical six pack? It's a 12-pack. That's right. So it's considered a 12-pack. Yeah. So uh, think of all the brands that release six-packs, double that, I mean, 27 million. And that's just domestically. That doesn't count internationally. So we can see that bourbon had a, and American whiskey in general, had a very, very good, strong 2021. I, I'm going to be, I'd be surprised if, you know, Elijah Craig being up 22%, Angels Envy 48%. Gosh, can they, can they sustain that growth like every single year? Do you think it's got a, it's got a, not taper off, but it's got uh, it's got to go mean, down a little bit. Well, it's got to plat. I don't know if it'll go down, but it'll definitely plateau. Oh yeah, I don't think it'll go down. You know, those because those growth numbers you're basing it off the previous year. So if you grow forty six percent to grow another forty six percent on top of that, it's like pretty but staggering. You know, that's staggering. But uh, good news all around. Uh, did they say how many cases Old Forester did, or is that just like they did? They just like briefly said they did. They okay. just said that they didn't say exactly how many cases. They just said it achieved its highest volume in 35 years. This report actually comes from Schenken News Daily. You can go there. There is actually the the graph that has the list of the cases I think in it, but I don't have it here in my notes. But you can go and check. That's okay. Notes. I was just I'll check it out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of money, kind of going into the whiskey and distilling industry. Here's one that we probably didn't expect is that Kieran, who is the owner of Four Roses, will invest about 100 billion yen or around $870 million in its healthcare and pharmaceutical businesses over the next three years. 
as the Japanese brewer pushes beyond the shrinking beer market at home and setbacks to its core businesses in Asia. Kieran wants to use the technology of the beer-making process and its biotech adventures and avoid the fate of Eastman Kodak, which couldn't adapt quickly enough to digital photography. So Kieran's bid to reinvent itself reflects a broader trend among companies dealing with the rapidly aging population of Japan, where the beer market has shrunk by a third from its 1994 peak. The company also hopes to expand the sales of LC Plasma, which is a proprietary ingredient found in the company's health drinks and also used for beverages and foods produced by their companies. And Kieran will expand to produce Cytokaline. Uh, Cytokaline? I think Cytokaline. It's a supplement and <laughs> used to improve memory. I probably need that. It's sold overseas by building a new production facility that will be operational by 2023. So, huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Totally diversifying their portfolio <laughs> from uh, Japanese beer and American well, whiskey. I didn't know that Kieran had a biotech arm, but I guess these companies are, it's kind of like Samsung. Like Samsung, they make TVs, they make refrigerators, like they make literally everything. MRIs and <laughs> everything. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's, I'm sure Kieran's probably the same exact way that they probably didn't start off with just a being known for their beer. They might've started off with something else, but who knows? I don't know the history, but I'm sure they, they've got to diversify. Well, congratulations, Kieran. Well, we'll see when the rumor's still going that Four Roses is going to sell, but it's never happened. hasn't happened yet. Well, now, now whiskey's booming, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually expect them to do that. And we'll talk a little bit more about whiskey boom here as well. And this is kind of coming onto the the on trade or bars and restaurants, if you will. So the whiskey market is worth more than ten billion dollars in the U.S. just in that retail, not retail, I'm sorry, for the the bars and everything like that, what's called the on-trade. And this is expected to thrive this year, and this is according to CGA's data. CGA's on-premise measurement, or OPM, research in the state showed that whiskey sales are now equal with vodka in volume terms, which each holding around 26% share of sales. In the last quarter, whiskey sales climbed around 98% year-on-year, compared with 93% growth for vodka. However, CGA noted that these numbers are inflated due to the on-trade's weak performance in the equivalent pandemic-affected quarter of 2020. American whiskey continues to be the leading whiskey subcategory with around 53% of total sales. It was followed by Canadian whiskey at 24%, Irish at 17%, Scotch at 6%, and Japanese whiskey at just 0.3%. Whiskey was also found to be more popular in cities such as Chicago, Dallas, and Denver. CGA's on-premise user, user survey found more than half, around 59% of whiskey consumers drink outside of their homes on a weekly basis, and whiskey drinkers also tend to have more money, with the average household income around $95,000 a year, which is nearly a fifth more than the U.S. average of around $79,000. Furthermore, men make up 62% of all whiskey drinkers, again, all according to CGA's data. So there you go. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this. I was... In Franklin, Tennessee this weekend, and it's like everyone had was drinking Old Fashions, Manhattan, some, you know, some kind of bourbon concoction. Um, you know, there was a ton of cocktail lists with Tennessee whiskey, American or bourbon, you know, is it's a, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's always one of those things. Maybe it's like I, I go to a restaurant and I'll look at the whiskey or I'll look at the, the cocktail menu. And of course, I'm drawn to anything bourbon. I mean, because of what we do, of course, I'm going to go look at the bourbon. But it's very rare that if I would find something that I'm, it's because I'm not a big on jalapeno or chili infused kind of spirits and stuff like that, or even whiskeys and cocktails. But if I don't find anything I want in the whiskey aisle, I, I typically don't look at vodka. Sometimes it's usually mixed with some sort of like passion fruit or some sort of juice. And I'm just like, I'm, I want something that's a little bit more 
more wholesome, more kind of like umph, or should I say? Yeah, I always skip over the vodka section. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, not doing that, not doing a lemon drop yeah. martini. But I've gotten a little bit more to the gin side. So gin, gin's but always good. Margarita, I'll do yes. that. I'll do some gin cocktails, but margaritas are always, but <laughs> bourbon's where my heart is. It, it always is. It always is. And speaking of bourbon being where the heart is, you know, we, we've always talked about the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, but now they are moving beyond their September roots with the inaugural Bourbon Capital, Bar- sorry, Bourbon Capital Barbecue Challenge and Distillery Invitational. And this is in partnership with the Kansas City Barbecue Society. So the barbecue competition will take place June 10th through the 11th at Log Still Distillery and kicks off with the Distillery Invitational on that Friday. It's kind of like a friendly amateur competition between distillers, said Randy Prass. He's the president and COO of the festival. It's not unlike what we used to do with the main bourbon festival in September with the barrel relay. So day one of the events will be a callback in honor of an event once hosted by Jim Beam that will showcase more than a dozen local distilleries, including Luxro, Preservation, and Log Still, all competing to who see who scores high on the hog, meaning it's a it's a barbecue competition for just people at the distilleries. The distilleries will also have tasting areas set up inside the new Dant Crossing Legacy Building for both days, which guests can also purchase tickets. The grounds will play host to beer garden, live music, and bounce houses for children, as well as to incorporate fun for all the ages. Friday's, Friday evening's event will also close with a fireworks display. However, Saturday jumps into the heated competition with the Kansas City Barbecue Society sanctioned cook-off with 20 professional pitmasters facing off against one another for the grand championship title and a shot at the Kansas City Barbecue Society World Invitational. Day two of the event will wind down around 6 p.m. And after the award ceremony, so guests will have time to return back to Bardstown, there is going to be a street concert put on by Bardstown Main Street. General admission tickets for the barbecue challenge are $10 a day, and they can be purchased at kybourbonfestival.com. Wait, the band's Bardstown Main <laughs> yeah, Street? What? It said for the street street concert put on by Bardstown Main Street. I, I don't know if oh, that's a band gotcha. or if it's just you got to go to Bardstown Main Street. There'll be a band there. <laughs> I mean, it's your hometown. You I gotcha. Me. Yeah, I have no idea, but barbecue and bourbon, that's two love languages, so I'm all for it. And the damn property is really coming together. It's beautiful. It's it's literally like like seven miles from my grandmother's farm, and uh, it's it's really cool. And uh, Wally's just done a fantastic job re reestablishing, rebuilding that whole New Hope area. <laughs> he like bought a gas station. And was like, it's probably not gonna make sense that you're gonna be open, but we need somewhere for somebody to fill up. <laughs> We're gonna lose money, but we need people to be able to get gas out of here. But that it is deep though. Yes. Well, now that if, if it's that close to your grandma's house, we should probably set up a bed and breakfast over there, some sort of Airbnb, hang out with Ryan and... and Her house is still yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? We can do tractor rides. <laughs> tractor rides with, with Ryan. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Do a hay ride and I'll throw some pumpkins down the field. <laughs> if you want to. Welcome to Gethsemane. Here's Ryan. He's your, he's your host and he's going to walk you through how to eat ribs and carve a pumpkin. And we can grab some crawdads too or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll get adventures. There you go. Well, I'll let you figure that one out. We'll put it up. It's it's going to have to be something completely. We'll do that in 20 Is that what it is? You got to see how this first one <laughs> yeah. goes off. See if it's worth, <laughs> worth putting right. the effort to have you as a Airbnb super host. You, I think you'd be surprised. A lot of people probably love to hang out with the people's champ. I don't <laughs> think so. My wife doesn't even want to hang out with me. <laughs> All right. So. Our last news story for the week is that we reportedly, or should I say that we have done this for the past few weeks now, 
is that the Kentucky Private Barrel Selection Program was at risk of being shut down. I don't really think it was going to be at risk. They, they just basically said that the Kentucky ABC discovered that the current process of sampling and selling of fulfilled single barrels fell outside the law. But they were not seeking to shut down the process, but they requested that Kentucky spirit makers work with lawmakers to codify or modify the process. So House Majority Whip Chad McCoy proposed House Bill 500 to remedy this issue. And today, or should I say yesterday, House Bill 500 passed the Kentucky House on a vote of 75 to 17. So I don't know who you 17 are, but we don't like you. The passage included the following amendments to it as well. And if you know, if you're just now catching this, definitely go back and listen to it. I think the the main parts were basically we can sell bottles, we can do things by the uh, you know sell sell them. Should I say have a certain limit to what you can actually sample from from the barrel, as well as having an offsite uh, tasting room experience in addition to your your DSP license. But here are the other four amendments that were added to it as well. It's going to require a distillery to make at least 70% of its annual private selection packages available for purchase by wholesalers. Boo, I don't like that one. Uh, It's going to limit souvenir packages sold exclusively to distillery visitors to three liters per person per day. Right now, visitors to Kentucky distilleries can purchase up to nine liters per person per day of anything in the gift shop. It also allows a vintage distilled spirit seller to put up or to sell up to 24 vintage distilled spirits packages in a 12 month period. Not too sure what that means. And then the ca- what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, you can only sell 24 bottles a year. Like that doesn't make any sense. And then it's also going to calculate the wholesale price of distillery sales at 70% of the retail price. If an actual wholesale price is unavailable. Again, not too sure. But the bill now moves on to the Senate for further consideration. All right. I, I thought this had already passed like several times, but I guess it just You know, you love government. To, you know how slow this kind of stuff is. I know. I know there's the different branches. So, yeah. yeah. I need to. House to the Senate. Senate's going to have some sort of amendment. We'll see in 2030. Well, I just think it's... <laughs> I, I see this and I'm kind of like, oh, cool. We were moving the right direction. We were giving some more distilleries power to do, uh, you know, see some more profits out of everything that they do. It doesn't ha- necessarily have to go through the three-tier system. But now they put in an amendment that says that 70% of your private barrel selections must go through a wholesaler. Like, what the... F- I'm just... It just kind of irks me a little bit. Like, you have to go through... Like, you can't just do... Uh, you know, if you want to just be the person that says, hey, uh, we're just only going to cater to bourbon groups and they come here and they can buy barrels. Like... Nope, can't do that anymore. At least 70% have to go through wholesalers. So, Yeah, I feel like that should be like, I don't know. If they're going to do that, do it like the same way they do the excise tax. Like if you're a certain size, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe that would make make sense. But I don't know. But it's like, just let the free market dictate. <laughs> it, it always wins. Well, I mean. It's always fair. It always, you know, it was it was your republics and everybody like that that had the the say in that amendment because they <laughs> they're they're wanting to hold on strong. They're, they're they they know where their money's coming from, and so they have a ton of lobbyists and they spend a lot of money being able to do that as well. And also, it's just like it's so weird that you're going to limit the people that are there for private barrel picks to only three liters per person per day. So they even if they were there to actually buy their barrel pick, wait to sample. Oh, to, to, buy, to buy, buy bottles. Packages sold exclusively to the distillery. Oh, so you can only buy three liters of ex- distillery exclusives, but you can buy 
Nine liters of non-distillery. Nine liters of anything, but you can buy three liters of a distillery exclusive. So these could be things that don't make it to wholesalers. But the way I kind of think about this is that even if, say me and you, we go pick a barrel somewhere and we're like, okay, we got to go buy these bottles and we got to get them to the other 32 members across the nation or whatever it is. Like they're going to say, nope, can't do that. Like you can only buy three liters it takes a lot out of our hands. Like, <laughs> well, all right, you got to come to get well, your bottles. Of course, it, it's not. I'm just talking about for everybody. Oh, there's so many bourbon barrel picking groups out there. And I know that's what a lot of them like to do is they can they can go buy directly out of the gift shop. And I know. Yeah, because New Riff was exactly that, right. Uh, New Riff was probably one of the pioneers of being able to say, yeah, we don't we don't if we can go and sell directly at our gift shop. If you're a bourbon group, we can do that. And we don't have to do the whole wholesaler thing. So now this kind of works in a backwards fashion for what they were doing. But then again, I don't know what it all means. So we'll, we'll have to see what that means. It hasn't passed. Hasn't passed. So. <laughs> well, put it this way. I doubt that things are going to go to the Senate and they'd be like, ah, remove these amendments. Like, we don't really like that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> they're they're going to add in more things. That's just, just how it works. I would like to know who voted against it and be like, wow. Oh, they need like, Need a C-SPAN for Kentucky state government. <laughs> Sit there and watch these fools. I'm sure we can. I mean, I'm sure there's. it's all government records. So oh, it's, yeah, all it's all listed. listed somewhere. So you can go and you can find and see if whatever county your Kentucky House representatives from and be like, wait a minute, what the heck's wrong with you? But let's go ahead. I'm going to vote next time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll vote for you to take his place in the House. How about that? We'll start. We'll start bourbon pursuit campaigns. Maybe I'm going to run like... I'm for the bourbon people. Yeah. You want bourbon? I'll vote for bourbon every time. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, except until, you know. I would get eight alive <laughs> in the government. I was going to say, until a distributor comes and meets with you and he's like, so Ryan, would you like a new Cadillac to show up at your house next week? Nope. Not Cadillacs. Okay. I'll take How about a, a, I'll take a new light, lightning truck. <laughs> so. And all of a sudden, we just lost Ryan. He, he just got bought out by the big guys. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Nah. That's. I'll never get bought out. Not yet. I'm for the people. Oh, you are. You're the people's champion. That's why. Let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. All right, here we are. Bourbon release news time. Figuring out what is happening, what's dropping, and what do you need to get ready for to go and bug your liquor store owners about. So we've talked about RTDs, and I 
think last time we talked about RTDs, we were trying to decipher are ready to pour cocktails out of a bottle considered an RTD or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking it's still technically ready to drink, but typical sense, you still want out of a can. I know you want out of a can. Yeah. I prefer can, but I guess in theory, the definition would be still ready to drink, even though it's out of a bottle. But I'd, I'd like no glass just so I can take it on my boat to the beach, you know, something like that. And technically, I guess if you just take a bottle of bourbon and open it and you drink it from the bottle, it's still ready to drink. <laughs> well, yeah, that's ready to drink. Yeah. Like wine's ready to drink always. So I guess everything's ready to drink. I just don't. So I guess an I just RTD. don't like bottles. They're hard to pack in a cooler. Yeah. So I'll I'll think I'll bend on you on this one. I think it's if to be considered an RTD, it has to be in a canned form, something that you can easily throw away and pack in a cooler on a boat or something. Is this an amendment to the, the <laughs> what an it's, RTD? It's is? our it's our amendment. That's what we had to put into this because we started crafting the definition. It only took a week and a half later for me to start <laughs> flip flopping on what I thought here. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Real yeah. nice way to stand up for what you believe. <laughs> hey, you, you show me a better piece of data and I'll, I'll go ahead and be like, oh yeah, I'll go join that side. They know what they're talking about. He's a flip-flopper. <laughs> oh, can't vote for him. Can't. <laughs> All right. So Brown Foreman, they're elevating their everyday occasion with the introduction of up and over fine and classic cocktails. And this is a line of super premium ready to pour cocktails. These 375 milliliter, 75 milliliter Branded cocktails are made with all natural flavors and world-class Brown Foreman spirits ready to serve up or over ice. So designed by Brown Foreman spirit and cocktail experts, the offerings include Up and Over's classic dry martini made with forged gin, whiskey soured made with Gentleman Jack Tennessee whiskey, premium margarita made with Herodur tequila, and ginger citrus old-fashioned made with Old Forester straight bourbon whiskey. These will be a retailing for approximately $15, and the four expressions will be available initially in the following U.S. markets, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Michigan, Oregon, and Washington. What the heck? Yeah, I know. Well, here's, <laughs> you want to say what the heck? So Brown Foreman actually sent us two of these, two of the four. And you would think, oh, nice. you would think, hey, these guys, the whiskey podcast, right? We should probably send them the whiskey one. We'll give them the martini. Yeah, we, got, we got the dry martini and the premium margarita. They didn't send us all the whiskey ones. Well, I guess they're just trying to convert us. They knew we'd like the whiskey ones. That's true. That's true. Well, I'll they let just, you take the dry martini. I, I don't, I'm not a martini person. They're scared of the Sagamore ones. Those are so good that... Nothing else compares. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a little bit different. I mean, this is this is hitting that that ready to pour cocktail. Not necessarily got to crack a yeah. can open. So it's it's good that they kind of look into this. I I mean, heck, you're seeing a lot of people venture into this space, whether RTDs or or anything like that. And this is always good. Yeah, for the Total Wine Shelf was. Oh, sorry. I didn't. Mean, I, was, I was at Total Wine the other day, and I was like amazed how many there are now. Well, good. I like I like uh, branching out and finding new things out there. I still have yet to have like a really good whiskey sour. I still like making my own. Same thing with like an old fashioned. I still like kind of making my own a little bit, but maybe that's just maybe it's because yeah, I too. like using barrel proof in mine. We'll get you on a pontoon. And then <laughs> yeah. <you'll>... <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't have like four barrel proof old fashions on a pontoon. That's that's not going to be. And you can't pack your bitters and your <laughs> your cherries and your shaker can. That's true. that's true. Stirs. Gotta gotta make it easily accessible and that's definitely not that's not the case so 
Alberta Distillers, they have announced the introduction of their signature core expression, Alberta Premium, to the U.S. for the first time. The stateside launch follows the successful relaunch of the highly coveted Alberta Premium Cask Strength Rye Whiskey back in 2021, which we had reviewed on a former Whiskey Quickie. So this premium 100% Canadian rye whiskey currently boasts the title the number one selling 100% rye whiskey in the world, as outlined by IWSR Global Sales Numbers. It's made from 100% Canadian prairie rye grains grown by local farmers. The grains are uniquely nourished by nutrient-dense glacier-fed glacier spring water from the surrounding Rocky Mountains. It's bottled at 80 proof and will begin to hit the shelves this month with an SRP of a mere $25 per bottle. You got Fred Medic on your mind? Just, Why is that? Do I have an ask on? No, you said, instead of Fed, you said Fred. Fred oh, but no. It's, never it's, I, I, <laughs> that was a terrible yeah, joke. It's just like, I apologize. I, I start looking and I read ahead. I read ahead a word and I said Glacier Fed, but the next word was spring. And so I just started putting Fed and spring into one word and it just ended up being Fred. That's how it happens. <laughs> so what? I, all right. I blacked out for a little <laughs> bit. What it, it was the number one whiskey in the world. That's what? A, according what that? to IWSR's global sales number is that is the number one selling hundred percent rye whiskey in the world. But this is just now oh, coming okay. to the U S <laughs> I don't know many hundred percent rye whiskeys, but, uh, I know, I guess Woodenville has one, but well, the majority uh, are all 95, five. So that's <laughs> so right. it's like, yep, you're right. Uh, bullet, Ride doesn't count. A lot of people can, a lot of people can claim they have the most selling (laughs) ninety-five-five ride in the world. (laughs) There's the list is endless. (laughs) Well, they could do that, and then what if somebody is like, "Hey, we have the hundred percent number one best-selling seventy-two percent corn mash bill in the world." (laughs) You can just keep going with these (laughs) things. There's, I know, just get. Yeah, one point off at any mash bill that's listed ever, and you could become the number one seller. It's marketing at its finest, my friend. Got to find that angle. Yeah, that's right. So, I I think it's pretty obvious to say it. Everybody knows that Ryan and I we we're both fans of of Kentucky, and we're both pulling for the Cats here going into tournament time. But Kentucky football also had a pretty good season last year, and in honor of their winning yep. season. Lexington-based Artie One Spirits is releasing an exclusive Citrus Bowl edition of William M. Tarr Kentucky Whiskey that will be sold at their Spirits pop-up tasting room and gift shop. This limited release, which features a collectible label, will debut its special VIP meet-and-greet event with the University of Kentucky head football coach Mark Stoops on March 26th at 1 to 5 p.m. at their tasting room. It's aged seven years and presented at 103 proof. RD1 pays homage to Kentucky's winning record of 10 and 3. The label's chrome lettering reflects the team's silver helmets and the artwork boasts an official Citrus Bowl logo and final score. Those who want to be first to get their hands on the special release can pre-order up to six bottles per person, $80 a bottle at rd1spirits.com while supplies last, and they can be picked up and autographed by Coach Stoops at the VIP meet and greet. Mr. Tar wearing a cat's helmet on the bottle. That'd Heck, be cool. you might as well. So this is this is the brand that is also owned by Stoops as well. So right, it would make. Right. It, I remember having it. Yeah, we we reviewed their. I think it was just their. It was like a blend of mash bills, right? It was like a raw mash bill and a, and a bourbon mash bill, and it was pretty good, yeah, really. I, I think we were looking at trying to find. <laughs> we're trying to. That's what we always do. We do the whiskey quickies, and we're like, "Dang, well, this is actually good." Where's this from? Wait a minute. How did they get six-year Kentucky bourbon? Nobody can find six-year Kentucky bourbon. Where they find this from? <laughs> so I'm like, damn stoops, yeah. shaking hands. Somebody's somebody's figuring stuff out. 
We'll get there. We just gotta we gotta shake some more hands, or maybe shake some trees. One or the other. We just gotta go ten and three <laughs> in football. <laughs> we'll get some access. We're gonna we're gonna for now. It's new making for you. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna adopt an XFL team. Do they still have XFL? We should bring that back. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I don't you you got so. me on the XFL maybe. when you made me watch that movie the other night. Oh yeah, that that was arena football. Well, same. So that's not XFL. What was X? Oh yeah, XFL was actually on like an outdoor field. It was just not the NFL, right? Yeah, there was like no rules. It was like WWE football, basically, I think. Which is weird, because why wouldn't something like that stick around? You'd think that people want more rough and tough kind of stuff, because that's why... People like boundaries. But see, that's the weird thing is like, (laughs) I see what boxing used to be. Boxing used to be everything. And then MMA has kind of taken that over because it's just like an all-encompassing, way more aggressive sport. And then you would think something more aggressive in the realm of football, it would catch on, but I guess it didn't. No, it's started with gladiators and then got to <laughs> American Gladiator football. Ready. <laughs> they like sports, but not be able to get hurt and yeah. killed. <laughs> well, I tell you what, after being a child, I, mean, he, I tell you, he brought some good memories there. Gladiators was the best, especially, what was it? Uh, they'd sit behind that cannon and have like those tennis balls and you have to like go oh, through yeah. and try to get <laughs> yeah. through and you had to pick up the the other like bazooka or the bow and arrow and you have to try to hit the target on top of them. Oh dude, those are uh, the joust to like they're on the things <laughs> jousting is like trying to keep their balance is like one hit. Uh, I mean joust was almost probably like the most unfair of it all because gladiators were they were shredded and they got to practice on it all the time. It's just like you going into a, a blind and just like oh, here we go let's see if we can get this i think you have a better shot at all the other ones and the jousta was never easy what was the one that also it had the rings you had to like do the, do the oh, rings yeah. and kind of get yourself across i know my upper body strength just couldn't do it we're like people are just swinging at you kicking you <laughs> yeah. while you're, you're like <laughs> if they kick at you and then they have to wrap their legs around you and they just try to put all their weight on you and pull you down snap your arm out of the yeah. socket we have a pull-up bar at our shop and we did a hanging competition like how long you could just dead hang and like the longest time was like a minute 10. That's still a pretty it's good just, time. Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> All right. I'm sure people will love our reminiscing on God. Gosh, I know. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Blackwood Distilling. So this was actually a, a company that Ryan and I got a chance to go and hang out with the Justins and go taste this whiskey. And it's actually very, very good. But they have announced their arrival of Blackwood Toasted Bourbon. This is a new style of blending bourbons finished in both toasted and charred secondary barrels. The brand is almost two years in the making and led by the owners Guinness and Lisa McFadden. The couple named Blackwood after their stable, which is home to the 2019 Kentucky Derby winner, Country House. And they also worked his way up through the horse racing uh, to actually groom into owning the Derby winning thoroughbred. And Guinness soon set his sights on another Kentucky industry, bourbon. He enlisted the help of two friends, Justin Sloan and Justin Thompson, as consultants to the handling, the sourcing, and blending of the bourbon he envisioned. After finding what they were looking for in a group of six-year-old bourbons from Bardstown, Kentucky, the group set to finishing select barrels from the groups in three different types of secondary barrels. They had toasted, char number two, and char number four. When those single barrels were deemed ready, they were set to blending. Just nine barrels were chosen for the Blackwood Toasted Bourbon Batch 1. And while the brand declines to give the exact breakdown of each secondary finish, they do tell us that the majority were toasted. 
The final blend is bottled at cast strength, which is 121 proof. There is just 1,700 bottles of Blackwood toasted bourbon that'll be arriving on shelves at Justin's House of Bourbon, Total Wine, Ernie's, and other fine Kentucky retailers, with a suggested retail price of around $150. Yeah, you couldn't meet four of the nicest people. Yeah, they were gracious hosts, beautiful farm, just but the the hospitality and the people are even greater. Uh, and we tried this and it's, I hate doing hyperboles, but it was one of the better jobs of doing a toasted barrel expression I've ever had. Um, and it's more than just toasted. Just like, yeah, it they was brought just, in other secondary yeah. finishes or secondary char levels into it as well. So I think they did a, the Justins did a, a really good job of blending this and making a great product out of it at the end of the day. Yeah. It was just, you know, with toasted, you usually get those like chocolate, campfire s'more notes but this just had like tons of fruitiness tons of you know char everything you'd want it was it was really good i was really i was really yeah i think the six-year-old you'd probably think it was probably closer to like an eight or nine when you tried it it was definitely definitely one of the the better ones that i tried in a while as well so make sure you go check it out uh good people uh even a really cool story after you know after going and see the farm and actually seeing the practice tracks of where all the horses go i mean it was just and we got to see the yeah trophy. yeah cool. quintessential kentucky that's what that is that's so correct. our last and final news article is that castle and key their small batch bourbon is now being released this is the first proprietary bourbon to be distilled and released by Castle and Key from the restored grounds on the old on the historic old Taylor Distillery in nearly 5 decades the mash bill is 73% white corn 10% rye and 17% malted barley castle and key small batch bourbon 2022 batch 1 is composed of 80 barrels all 4 years old bottled at 98 proof and has an srp of $55 this will be available at Castle and Keys Distillery and distributed through a bunch of their states here uh, on this upcoming month. So go ahead and get that going. I think this is, who knows if this is Marianne's touch but, uh, or somebody else's. Was that non-age dated, I guess, four years? Uh, it's non-age probably. dated, but it just said it was four years old on their website when I could dig and poke and prod around and see what I could find. Yeah, I'll be interested to try it. We, you know, I think the only Castle and Key bourbon distillery we've had is the Blue Run, and it was pretty good. Um you know, for their high, but it's a different mash bill. That was it the is. It's a different mash bill. Jim Rutledge uh, mash bill. So, yeah, I'd love to. I'm excited to try it because I love that property and tons of history. Hopefully, it. Hopefully, the distillate's just as good. That's why I tried to emphasize that by Castle and Key because this is the first time that they are releasing it. Even though there's been a multitude of other brands, I think Pinhook might have been doing some other stuff. I, I can't. I can't be too sure. Don't take my word on that. This is not. This is all skepticism. This is not advice. So just make sure that. Yeah. You said from the beginning, it's not legal <laughs> or financial advice. advice. So, uh, so. All I do is like to spread rumors. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure, but this is, uh, this is going to be their first bottle. And unlike their ride doesn't have hands going all over it. It's actually, it's actually pretty good looking. It's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. I did see the package. It looked mm-hmm. nice. Very classy. Just like what. What was the retail on that? $55. Gotcha. Yep. You just want to know where we stand, huh? They're bottled at 98 proof. And fifty-five dollars. So <laughs> we're always we're always comparing ourselves. I mean, is that how it is? Thirteen more per or what'd you say? Ninety nine proof. Ninety-eight. So ten more proof, ten more yeah. dollars. For, that's, that's fair. Unless you're unless you're at Costco. Then <laughs> yeah. Same price. Yeah. Costco's got some other great deals, but that's gonna do it for all the deals that we could talk about on this week in bourbon. We hit a lot of good topics, a lot of great things. But with that, cheers everybody, and we'll see you next week. 